Season 2 The New Paradigm Podcast The New Paradigm Podcast Welcome to Season 2 of the New Paradigm Podcast. We are your hosts, Galia Brahim and Jess Garcia. We are self-transformational life coaches. We inspire you to break free from limiting beliefs. We share our unique views on mental health, self-development, spirituality, and sovereignty. In this season, we'll have special guests sharing their inspiring story and their field of work to motivate you to step more into your power and manifest your best life. To learn more about our work and mentorship programs, visit us at schoolsofconsciousness.com. Today's guest is Emily Tamayo Maher, who is a book coach and best-selling author in women's spirituality. She helps aspiring writers turn their own life-changing stories into books that capture the depth and significance of their experiences. Her clients have written memoirs, personal development, self-help, and fiction. She lives in Bogota, Colombia with her husband Mauricio and her son Martin. Welcome to episode 20 of the New Paradigm Podcast, and today we have a beautiful guest with us. Can you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Just say hi to the listeners and a little bit about yourself. Yes, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. My name is Emily Tamayo Maher. I am a book coach, a writing coach. I help people uh, write their books from first inspiration to final publication, and I've just come out with my second book, which is The Meaning Method, A Spiritual Path to Writing and Publishing. And yes, um, I've been doing this for about four years now. I've helped people publish over 30 spectacular books in fiction and nonfiction. And I I have a, a special spiritual path to writing and publishing that goes down the feminine path down the chakras. And I just, I love sharing with, about it and uh, talking about it. So thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much for this beautiful introduction. And I want to start off by asking you, when did you start writing? How did it all start? Yes, I think I first started writing, you know, ever since I was a little girl. And I think that so often when we're on a different spiritual path or when we're on a path in business, we find these different strands that have been with us for a long time and we really start weaving them together. So I would say I've always known I loved writing. I went to the University of Iowa, which has a very good school, which has a very good school in writing. It has the writer's workshop. And I got a scholarship to be a part of that when I was an undergraduate. And then, you know, throughout my life, I was publishing and liter with literary short stories. And finally, I became a teacher of English here where I live in Bogota, Colombia. I was teaching English literature and I started to realize that I wanted to make writing a bigger part of my life. And so little by little, 
I started a business helping other people write books. And I wrote my first book, More Than Just Publishing Literary Short Stories. And that was about four years ago that I left my job and started doing this full time. And I think when you can follow your passion this in that way and make a business out of it, it's mm. so much fun. It just makes life so much more worthwhile. You get up looking forward to work every day, which is a blessing. Yes, definitely. I agree with that. And I'm still a bit curious. I would love you to share what pushed you to leave the United States and take off. And how did it push your career towards the path that you are now on? And I would say I was on a, you know, as so many of us are, I was searching for my purpose. I was searching for my career. And so I, ha I was getting my master's in New York. And so I got a master's degree in, uh, in international affairs at the new school. And when I was getting that, I had my roommate was actually Colombian, my roommate in New York. And so I wanted because I was getting this degree in international affairs, I wanted to be able to speak better Spanish. And so it was a moment in my life when I could take a summer to to study Spanish. And I met my husband, who's a television director here in Bogota. And so that's the Tamayo of the Emily Tamayo Maher. I ended up getting married. And um, that was 11 years ago. Now I've been married for 11 years. When I was living in the United States, I was really searching for a way to serve and for, you know, to be able to have a life I really loved. And little by little things fell into place. You know, I started a family here in Colombia for a while I was teaching and, and I felt like I was really using that degree. And then, you know, even more so part of the business that I'm running now, because um, there's so much opportunity for economic development here. Um, my some friends and I are starting to do the the work that I had always wanted to do when I was getting my degree in international development by having my own business and being able to grow it. We've been able to contribute to alleviating poverty um, for people who are really pressed for work and uh, people who have, you know, with stores and different things um, who've had to shut down during quarantine. We've been able to participate in the community and keep businesses afloat um, because I have this wonderful internet business and nobody's stopped writing <laughs> books anytime recently. So, um, so it's been great to be able to bring some of these passions together, spirituality, um, you know, international affairs and book writing, when you start to weave your dreams together, they, they start to make sense. Whereas at the beginning of the path, it might not seem uh, the answers might not be there right away. It's okay. It's okay. So, yeah. Yes. And I would love to dive deep now into your book, The Meaning Method. And I want to ask you, how do you combine spirituality and writing and how does it help the creative process? Yeah, that came together step by step. And actually, I think it can be so, um, 
you know, if you ever think of taking on a project like writing a book, it can seem overwhelming at first. And so right as I was leaving my job and transitioning into a business full time, I took a course in energy, uh, energy work. And I learned a lot more about the chakras. And lo and behold, that became the outline for the whole book that became the structure <laughs> of the way I teach writing now. And it became the outline of the book. And so I'll go into the step by step, because this it, you know, there are two paths. Many people are familiar with the ascending path that goes up the chakras, beginning with the root chakra and going up um, to spiritual liberation, transcendence, and that's the ascending path. But this path starts at the crown and goes down. And so this is the feminine manifesting path. And whether you're writing a book or starting a business or starting an NGO, a nonprofit organization, whatever you're doing, it really does go step by step. And I think when you can see it in this spiritual way, it gives you guidance. It helps you feel less overwhelmed. And when you just go step by step, so I will go into, um, I'll just go through the, the chakras in the manifesting path and what they represent when you're creating something. So we start in the crown chakra and um, that's where we get our spiritual connection, that inspiration, those little whispers that are saying, you know, make a big leap, make a move, write a book, start a business, start a podcast, whatever it might be. It kind of, you know, it kind of lingers. And one thing I like to say is trust the crown, write it down. Uh, when you get it. whispers, yeah, people get intimidated. Like if I start a podcast, if I write a book, what's going to happen? Who's going to like it? What's, you know, you get, you jump far ahead, but all you really have to do is just start sketching the idea at that stage. You're getting the whispers. Many of us are getting more than one idea at that time, but if you start to just journal about it and write it down, one really pulls ahead of the other ideas and starts to grow. And so then that's when you get into the second phase, the third eye, which is where we get our vision and structure. When you're getting more than just whispers, although you will keep you know, you'll keep feeling inspired throughout the process. You'll keep getting new ideas, but then you want to start to create both some sort of practical structure, like, you know, the outline for a book or the schedule for the podcast, or you also, but you also want to get lost in the fantasy and the dream and the part that excites you. So that's a little bit, I like to say about the third eye, there are two wings and they represent perceive and command. It's kind of Myers-Briggs, but that's both the fantasy and then the organization. And all of that happens in your vision, in your imagination. Then after the imagination, after the third eye, we get to the throat chakra. And that's where we start to test our voice in whatever we're starting to create in our organization, in our book. We just start you know, we have a structure and then that structure gives us the liberty to start to scribble and try things out, especially in social media. I love trying out ideas for books in Instagram posts. And I teach a lot about that where, you know, you don't have to be an editor at this phase. You don't have to be stressed out. You just want to test different ideas, both, you know, in a document on your computer where only you can see it, but then also just trying out ideas on social media and things like that. We live in such a great time to do that. 
Then after we've started to test our voice, we start to gain more confidence. And then we want to go into the heart chakra, which is nurturing mm-hmm. that creative process like into being. My yes. favorite place. <laughs> exactly. And that's such a good point because the heart chakra is the one you can really feel. It's, you know, it's, it's not subtle at all. When you feel your heart glowing, you know, that's your heart chakra. If you want to get centered back in your body, just connect with your heart and you can connect with it so easily. It's so important because it integrates, you know, the spiritual uh, upper chakras with the grounded material lower chakras. And so in the creative process too, most of it happens in that heart chakra. I call it changing the diapers of the creative process. You just got to keep on loving that baby, no matter what happens, <laughs> putting on your cappuccino and just going back every day to, to really love that, whatever it is into being. And, you know, you take the good with the bad and you just have that kind of committed, loving relationship with it. And so that, yes, that's where you want to center back in that heart chakra. And then after that, we get into the lower chakras that are more connected to the earth. Um, and so first, um, this, the solar plexus, I call this stage going pro because that's where we edit. And I love this perspective. And I think it will be a relief for so many because in the upper chakras, you are free to play, to imagine, to go where inspiration takes you. And the idea that later, much later on the process, you are going to try to refine it. You're going to edit it. That gives you the freedom to know that in these upper chakras, you can really express all of your uniqueness, because after all, that's what will make it great. And then only later in the process, will you get to refine things that are really beautiful and weird, because you didn't try to restrict yourself in the upper chakras. Yes, you have to integrate it, right? You have to ground it into the now. Exactly. And this taking action. Yeah, is the first stage of grounding. So there are three stages of grounding it. Um, so it's going pro, then in the sacral chakra, we're birthing the book, we're publishing the book, we're launching the business. Um, so we're putting it out into the world, we're birthing it in whatever form it needs to be birthed. And then finally, in the root chakra, we're reaching out like with the roots of a tree, and we're reaching out and connecting with people often, you know, individually, and then, you know, in larger groups, but we're just starting to expand it and make it a part of the world, give it a safe, sustainable life of its own. And so I, you know, as soon as I started to learn that path, Of course, I immediately saw how it connected to books, but it connects to everything. And um, and I think you can have more fun and a healthier creative process when you start to familiarize yourself with this old, old, old wisdom. Yes, definitely. You kind of answered the question that I wanted to ask you about how can we use this creative process in different dimensions of our life? Would you like to dive deeper and give examples of how you can use this creative process in all aspects of life? 
Yes. I mean, it's a great metaphor because it applies to everything. So one thing, you know, just to kind of really take it back into the abstract where you might be able to connect it to whatever project you're working on. The an, Another metaphor that I think works so well for this is just looking at a tree. And so, um, you know, in the heart chakra, there's, there's some mystic symbolism that we have a celestial tree in our heart chakra. And I like thinking back to, um, you know, the leaves of the tree are connecting the light from the cosmos into the, you know, the earth and the ground below us. And so nature follows this pattern. When we find a house, we follow this pattern. So many things follow this pattern. And in a tree, you can see, you know, the leaves represent those upper chakras that connect with the universe. And then that trunk is that heart chakra where all the nutrients, the dirt from the earth is turned into something living. And then we've got the roots that go deep underground and just connect and actually communicate with other trees. And so I think when you think of that, I've been able to apply it to so many different things. And it's been able to give me the faith, you know, to start with just oh my goodness, I'm getting a whisper. I'm just going to write this down and see what happens. And then take things one step at a time. And knowing that I don't have to have this idea, this new idea, completely grounded and planted in the earth just yet. I'm going to give it that love. I'm going to give it that inspiration and ethereal spirituality for a little while so that it's really ready to become something when I'm finally into those lower chakras where I'm putting it into the earth. And one final thing I will say on that front is that, you know, if you are too practical, if you are too grounded in these lower chakras, which yes, is very important and a very important part of the process. But at the same time, you can cut your dreams short. You can Uh, And then that's harder to sustain because if you don't really have inspiration in the things you create, you're not really creating the best of what the world needs right now. The world needs these new, innovative, inspired, you know, uniquely designed ideas. And so when you can see the the upper part of the process gives you more freedom. I really love that you use the metaphor of a tree. Today, I wrote a post on Instagram and actually mentioned that we are the tree of life. And we can realize that this metaphor applies in so many ways that we are able to integrate. I love that you were able to integrate this to break it down and make it palpable for us through your book. When it comes to channeling this creative flow and doing something with it, not just being stuck with an idea because we could have billions of ideas. I feel like a lot of us have this, including myself, and sometimes it is hard to ground it. But by following this process, it makes it so much easier and it makes so much sense. It is beautiful because it can be multiplied, replicated in all aspects of life. So thank you so much for this. It is beautiful. 
And yes, and you know, I was talking about how if you don't have a good handle on the upper chakras, you can be too practical and you can do something that's already too close to the earth, you know, something that you're not exactly meant for. You know, perhaps that was the case a bit with me in teaching. I was taking a job that was very practical, but I wasn't that great at it. And so I had to really reimagine my life and come up with something that was really where I could really contribute. There are so many great teachers in this world, you know, we don't need somebody struggling to try to, to teach. And so it's better to do something that's good for you. But also in these lower chakras, if we are too much in the air, and we don't, it, it can be hard to ground it. And I think don't take for granted that when we get into the lower chakras, they are, you know, by nature, they are slower. They are a little bit more difficult. You know, the solar plexus is that willpower. You have to do the grunt work of editing and, and making something real. And then in with grounding it and, you know, growing your idea, growing an audience in the, in the earth, you know, relating it to other people. We would love for it to just catch fire immediately because in those upper chakras, in our imagination, it's like, all right, I'm a millionaire, I'm famous, it's all good. You know, I can imagine that very quickly. But then, um, you know, when we're when we have a really great idea, it actually takes a while to integrate and to catch on and to move forward. And so realizing that the material nature of those lower chakras it is harder. It is slower. And that's okay. That's part of it because that's what makes it real. It's, it's much easier to imagine something than it is to follow through over days, weeks, months, and years. And so, yes, the grounding, they both have their own nature and the nature of each side is really important. And I think we can both, um, you know, many of us can lean too much to one side or the other, too much imagining or too much groundedness and lack of, you know, imagination, we can go to one side or another. And so, yeah, this process also is a good reminder, go with the heart chakra, love it up, balance it out. I love that. It's kind of balancing out these energies, this earthly energy and this heavenly energy. And I think this connection really happens in our heart chakra because our heart chakra allows us to make the connection between these two realms. Yes, there is so much, there are so many secrets. There's so much mysticism. And, you know, when you go deeper and deeper into that, it's the greatest teacher. And it's the, it's, it's a very powerful place. Yeah. And, you know, if someone is not familiar with the chakra system, I think that's a great place to start because, you know, you think about the heart, the organ of the heart. Chakras are like energetic organs. In every place where we have a chakra, we have both a uh, we have both a neural plexus, we have a nerve center, and then we also have an endocrine gland. And so the heart, of course, there's a big nerve plexus in the heart and we can feel it. It can balance, you know, it, it provides balance for the whole nervous system when we feel into that. And so it's a great place to start. And, you know, you can, you can feel an organ like your lungs, you know, you can stop and you can breathe and you can feel into your lungs. But then some of those more subtle chakras, you don't, you may not 
feel as much until you develop them. So like, you know, you don't know you have a pineal gland or a pituitary gland until somebody explains it to you a little bit. And so I think it's great to learn when you learn about these chakras, just like having healthy lungs, you know, if you know more about them, you can keep them more healthy. And the same goes for your energy body. And the heart is the personally, I think it's the best place to start because you can feel when you're really, when you center into love, you can really feel the energy of that. And so it's a great place to learn and explore. Um, There's people can talk about chakras philosophically, but I know my, um, my first teacher really made it practical. And he's like, I want you to spend a day like, okay, first learn it, but then just feel how am I using this on a daily basis? The same way if you were concentrating on your lungs, or if you were concentrating on a physical organ in the body that you were trying to make healthier, you can kind of lean into it, learn more about it, and then not make it only theoretical, but make it real for you too. I love that we dove deep into that because I want to ask you if you have a spiritual practice, something that you do that inspires you and helps you get through your day to meet with your clients, for instance, something that truly empowers you daily? Yes. Well, in, in, the, in my daily life, doing this work with clients is absolutely spiritual work. And so being able to have this framework You know, when challenges come up, when different things come up, of course, the theory that we've been talking about is something I almost feel like you have to uh, apply to survive. But I will say as as far as starting my day with a spiritual practice, I love, so I'm a long time meditator. I love meditating. But one fun thing that I learned from the book, The Energy Codes, is when I'm doing, you know, if I'm doing even for five minutes, being present and meditating and concentrating on my breath, I'll actually pull my, in my imagination, I'll imagine a line pulling up the line out, up from the earth into my heart chakra. So I'm breathing it into my heart, which is very natural because you breathe in your heart space. Um, (laughs) And then I'll send it up. Then I'll send through my imagination, just kind of you know, imagining a line going up all the way out the crown chakra, and then I'll pull it back down, back into my heart, going down the same imaginary line, just kind of pulling my energy back into my heart and then grounding it. And so, of course, in the in the book, I'm talking about how the practical ways, both the spiritual and the practical path to being able to publish a book and putting it out there. But that's something that I actually do. And I also do it when I'm putting my son to bed, because he's crazy, especially when he's supposed to go to bed, he's just like wiggling, and all this stuff. And so I will start to con because he's so connected to me, I'll just start concentrating on my breathing, and I will ground that little seven-year-old into, I will ground through my root chakra. This is a good tip for the moms out there. He will settle down. If I just concentrate on my own breath, I'm not even doing really anything to him, but because children react so much to their mother's energy, I do that every night before we go to sleep. This is so beautiful and powerful. And this is nice because I actually wanted to ask you, how do you manage your time being a parent while still creating content 
being a book coach, being a partner, and just everything else in life that you have to do every day? Well, actually, and I have to make an admission. So um, I love it. You know, what there, I suppose there are two sides to that. The fact that I had a toddler, I was a full-time teacher and teachers have a lot of work. You know, they correct papers after school and everything. So before Martine was a toddler, I was a teacher. I was writing a book and starting a business um, outside of it. And so that was my big time crunch. That's when I really had to learn to manage my time. And I think that in small steps during that time, I just kept coming back to it day after day. It's that heart chakra. um, In the book, I talk about, you know, finding the time to follow your dreams. That's that um, central, central chapter in the heart chakra, where you can do a few reflective exercises. But really, it's not being upset because you didn't have enough time. It's just, oh my goodness, I got another paragraph written. I'm another paragraph closer to my dreams. And so that's one side of it. And then it's funny when I had more time freedom and I was able to support myself full time with clients in this work, I actually lost a little control of my time because I had so much of it. And so I think it was through that squeezing container, which is where a lot of the exercises in the heart chakra in the book come from. If you have a creative process and you want to be able to take it one step at a time and bring it into being, being able to being able to um, manage your time in a spiritual way, not it's not so much for me about productivity hacks, although those are nice, being able to do things quickly works. But for me, it's less about the time itself and more about the love you're putting into it. So I'm not missing out on the moments as a mother and I'm really being present and making most of it. And then the same goes, you know, I know my best working hours are first thing in the morning. And so I try to maximize those and, then you just create kind of patterns and it gets easier. It definitely gets easier the deeper you get into it. Absolutely beautiful. And how do you cultivate your creative site? Do you read books or you might even listen to podcasts? What's your thing? Probably the, you know, I I love books. I read a lot of books. I read Um, probably over five books a month. I'm just always consuming books. But I will say that probably one of the biggest influences on my life was Julia Cameron's The Artist Way. And so, and she also has such a beautiful technique of going week by week and just loving up the creative process. And so sometimes I think of Julia Cameron as the, the patron saint of writing coaches because she kind of really put that first book, The Artist's Way, which is a spiritual path to um, creativity. And then my book, A Spiritual Path to Writing and Publishing, is just kind of a more specific, um, I don't know, continuation seed of that work. And so, yes, I would definitely say that as an author, the effect that she had on me when I I read her first book when I was 22, Yes, that put me on a new trajectory, and I'm so grateful for it. That's amazing. And what did push you to become a book coach? What inspired you? Obviously, you are an author, but what was this push towards really putting yourself out there and 
working one-on-one with clients? You know, I think it was about midway through my, my work as a teacher that I start, you know, um, it was about 2015. There was a lot of new stuff coming out, especially from women and entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship in the internet. It was, there was a lot of stuff coming out. And I was just starting to discover that um, being a school teacher, you know, that very classical career that actually my grandmother was a school teacher. So I had really wanted to take after her. And I felt like I was doing good work in the world, but I realized this isn't what I was being called to do. And so little by little, I just kept writing down those whispers. And I thought, you know, since I'm an expatriate and I live in a different country than the country I was born in, um, I thought maybe I'm supposed to help with that. People didn't really need help with that. Um, and so it was just- <laughs> different things that I was trying on, but I knew that I had gone to school for writing. I'd written all my life. I'd published all my life. And so while I was still a school teacher, I started taking on my first clients. I think I had six clients and it was a really tight time, you know, as far as time goes. And I remember, you know, there were people I was working with who lived in London. And so I would get up at 4 a.m. before I went to work because I had my time to be able to experiment with this. And I was, you know, I loved it so much. I wanted to make it happen. And because I wasn't working in the day and it was 11 o'clock in the UK at 4 a.m. in Colombia, you know, Uh, during certain times of the year, but um, I would just really put that dedication. And so I started on evenings and weekends and just, you know, as I was talking about in this chakra path, that was probably, you know, around the stage of starting to test my voice and then, you know, taking on these clients and loving them enough to get up at 4am and actually enjoying the meetings at that hour, and then really starting to go pro and make a business out of it. And so it was a gradual thing that started by writing down whispers, you know, years and years ago, and then it just grew bigger and bigger. And now with the new book, it's, it's growing even bigger. And I'm so excited about that. Amazing. And I have a question that I'm sure our listeners would love to hear your answer. How do we write a bestseller? So there are a lot of exactly. And I know this is great advice for everyone. And so there are a couple different ways to go about it. I have a chapter that goes into detail on this in the book, both in the chapter on editing, because during the process of the book, really knowing who your market is, because becoming a bestseller, one of the keys is the categories. So for instance, people talk about having a New York Times bestseller, and that's great. But oftentimes, that in and of itself is is something that You know, if there's a particular book about a politician or the news, or if there's a celebrity tell-all, those are the things that become bestsellers in the mainstream. And that may not be what you want. You know, that may not even be what you're shooting for, because really it is just this very mainstream audience. And so this is why the key, the first key to having a 
bestseller is knowing your category, knowing your genre. If you're writing nonfiction, knowing your niche. Exactly. Because New York Times bestsellers have categories. Amazon has categories. And so, you know, I think in this space, many of us look up to certain um, spiritual authors. And many of those authors who are super famous to us are not famous to anybody else. And if they say they're um, New York Times bestsellers, they're often bestsellers. Even these people who we know so well are bestsellers in the self-help niche. And so, and that is really also what is rewarding because you know, being famous for the sake of uh, being famous isn't rewarding. You know, being uh, a lot of what happens, a lot of the big, big bestsellers often come from people saying very mean things about each other. And then they become super famous for talking about their divorce or things like that. And so <laughs> taking it into the place where you're really helping somebody is the first key. And then I would say um, one thing I teach a lot in the book and then also in my social media and Facebook group is using social media to start the conversation of your book. So you're talking about the things that are in your book in social media. And so then in a very practical way, people are already interested in this conversation and they've seen you put out little posts here and there over time, very rarely has someone scrolled down your entire Instagram to be able to know everything you're about. So then when you offer the book that has it organized as a pathway, then if you've generated that conversation in social media, then you will get a number of sales simultaneously, when you can get a number of sales simultaneously. And this is what has happened for me. And I am so grateful to my community that starts to help Amazon recognize, oh my gosh, who's she? You know, a hundred people just bought this book. You know, let's try to sell it to more people. And this is also something that I'm very grateful for with um, algorithms is now that without any work of my own, other people who have bought similar books. So people who buy, you know, people who are in my group tend to have bought Julia Cameron's book or something like that. And so then Amazon starts to place my book near books that are similar. And so that is the details on how to do that kind of, I get into it in the book, but to give you just a grand overview, three steps, know who you're talking to, because the mainstream is neither rewarding, um, nor is it feasible because a lot of bestsellers status is a moment. And so it, you know, a lot of books being bought in a moment. Second, generate, once you know who you're talking to, generate that conversation so that people are ready and eager to buy. And then finally, just keep feeding that and, uh, and then pointing more people towards that book over time. And then it starts to snowball, which is really nice. That sounds like a powerful process, and it also sounds organic, which I think it's great. As you said, this is organic marketing, and at the same time, you are connecting, you are building your audience. It's like the root chakra, really grounded and being present on this earth, connecting with others and sharing your work, your baby, 
this creation that has taken you through a process and now you are able to share that with the world. I think it's super rewarding when it's organic and loving your work and sharing it. Truly, that's great. It is almost a devotional path. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And it's the way that I wrote my book. You know, I put my first book out into the world in 2017. And, you know, honest, I did my best. I did the best I could possibly do. But then when I saw what affected readers, what was actually helping, this, of course, is more true of nonfiction than fiction. Um, But when I was able to test it in that organic way, then I knew I had the confidence that this new book is going to help people because honestly, sometimes people would ask me a question about publishing a book on um, Facebook and I would give them the answer on Messenger and then I would copy that answer and I would paste it into my manuscript. And so it's so funny, like the fact that you asked about being a bestseller, of course, that's exactly the kind of question that I answered in the book, because it's an important thing to know. And it's a great thing to learn about. And so it's something that when I wrote my first book, I didn't have that in the first book, because nobody had ever answered asked me that question. But then as I was able to work with more people and answer the questions that they actually wanted to know the answers to, I was able to create a book that really served. And so it's all a process. I got started just by putting myself out there once that book did well, but it didn't do as well as this book has done in just a month. um, Because of that connection. And Each stage, you know, you're always growing as an entrepreneur, you're always growing as a communicator, you're always growing as an author. And so to be able to enjoy every phase of that, this is not by any means less exciting, less exciting than my first launch, because of course, my first launch allowed me to leave uh, a job that I wasn't so fit for. And it allowed me to transition into a career I love. And so yes, but Yeah, the long and short of it is, yes, social media is a wonderful place to start to experiment with your voice. That's amazing. And congratulations also on the second book with the launch. You were able to leave your job and pursue your dreams. And I know that you touched a bit on this with the creative process, but what are some advices that you can give to a new writer like the number one advice for someone who is thinking of writing a book, how can they get started? Yes, I think the number one thing that stops people from getting started is they have the thought, who am I to write this? And so that inner critic can really break you down before you get started. And so one of my answers I'm going to give two answers to that about getting started. First, you're always enough to take the next step. And so when we're going through the chakra path, as I said before, no need to be overwhelmed. Just start, trust the crown, write it down, trust the whispers and just start sketching. You don't have to worry too much about what you're doing later when you want to get into that structure. I know a great book, The Meaning Method, that can help you out with that. But to just get started, Trust the crown, write it down and just start scribbling. You're always enough to take the next step. And then the second piece of advice is kind of a spiritual 
piece of advice, whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction, you are the only person who has your life experience mixed with the inspiration and guidance and the whispers you're getting from the world. And so no one else can create what you're creating. No one else brings the rooted lower ground chakras, your life experience to the inspiration of what you are supposed to create. And so it's really, when you can follow through with that, just like the, the blossoming Lotus of that crown chakra, again, when you start to follow through the petals open up a step at a time, I have been astonished by how much spiritual assistance I have gotten with things I did not have the courage to do, you know, or I didn't think I did. And then because I was just taking it a step at a time, things came together. And so, yes, those are the, you're always enough to take the next step and nobody combines your experience with your, you know, whispers and guidance and inspiration. I love that. Actually, I'm going to make that my new motto. Trust a crown, write it down. Trust a crown, write it down. (laughs) I love it. And it works all the way through the process. That's great. That makes my day and my evening and, you know, 24 hours into the next day. Thank you so much. But um, (laughs) the great thing about that is You know, I have journals full of ideas where I just wrote things down. And a lot of those ideas actually are further developments of this core idea, the meaning method, which is really grown and is rooted now. However, it's also fun to go through that journal and be like, I can't believe I thought I was going to do that. That would have just not worked at all. And so it's funny, I wrote it down, but I do believe that by that process of writing it down, it in and of itself is kind of a test. And so some things you're going to find that you keep getting that inspiration. And of course, you know, I'm four years into my business and I'm still getting new ideas of how to reach out and help people in this way. And then there are other things that I thought, oh my goodness, I wonder if I would try this or that or the other thing. And I'll look back at them and I'm like, you know, this is my test. This is the way I can find out in a fearless way. Like I can just test an idea. And if it's meant to be, I will keep on writing about it. I'll keep, I'll have more ideas that attach on and it will, it will develop. And then there are other things that you wrote it down and it went nowhere. And that's great because that's as far as it was supposed to go. And so that in and of itself is, is just fine, but you will get more spiritual guidance if you do write things down and the things that are meant to be will start to come to fruition a lot faster. I love this. Thank you so much. You have such a empowering voice. I feel like so many people out there need to hear that. At times it can get hard to get started with this creative process because as you said, we have so much self-doubt and maybe we think that we are not that unique. But we need to trust this uniqueness within us and There's somebody out there that will truly benefit from our work. I think it's great that you can be this mentor for others and help them see that they can believe in this light inside of them. And if they don't, they cannot succeed. So this leads me to ask you, what are your offerings If there is someone listening to you right now on the podcast 
and wants to work with you, what is the process? So yes, I will say two things. Everybody's idea. So the idea of being a book coach sounds like a thing a lot of people are doing. But then when you go through the process, you realize every step at a time that it is specific for you. And so that's what's so lovely about getting the message out. So first and foremost, the book, The Meaning Method, A Spiritual Path to Writing and Publishing. I think that that's such a strong seed. It comes with a free workbook. So when I say trust the crown, write it down, I mean it because you have the book to read, but then you can also also sign up and get the free workbook. And then every exercise has a very teacherly place. Yes. To be able to actually write stuff down. So you're not just, you know, entertaining yourself with these paragraphs, but you're also really moving forward on your dream. So that's a great way to get started, to get the ball rolling. And then I am a book coach. And so my main offering is what I do is I work with people one-on-one and I replace the role of a developmental editor. And so classically, people often when they're finished with a book, they will go to someone and they will, you know, they will pay thousands of dollars for someone to go back through the manuscript and make them rewrite the whole thing. So this is why I love book coaching, because we take it a step at a time. And we are sculpting and learning structure and learning the craft of writing and sending you in the right direction as you're writing the book. And so when you start to get those ideas down on paper, and if you finish your first book, then that's the perfect time to find me at my website or in my Instagram, emily.tamayo.maher, and, and start working with someone who can teach you how to make that book something that communicates and resonates and spreads because it's such a wonderful time to publish. There are so many opportunities. I love that. And I can imagine that this is the time where so many people are wanting to use this creative energy since this whole pandemic started. People have a lot of time being indoor, reflecting, and thinking of new business ideas. There is so much going on with people quitting their jobs, questioning what's going to happen next. The best thing is to be your own boss and start your own business. We are feeling it. Within our own line of work, I could imagine for you as well. It is such a powerful time for this work that you are doing. You had to answer this call some years back, so you would be ready to be here now and already set in your work and to be able to guide so many new authors to really ground their work and what they are channeling to share with the world. Yes, receiving the downloads from the crown, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes, receiving the downloads from the crown. I am so glad that you are putting this work out there because this is so unique and I love your approach. It is really intuitive. It is exactly what we are going towards now entering the age of Aquarius. This revolution, this renaissance, so many things that we are birthing and we need new ideas, evolved ideas. We can learn from the past what didn't work and we can now make it work. Where can our listeners find your work? Do you have a link tree? If so, share it with us and we will put everything on the show notes so 
our listeners can find all of the information. Thank you so much. And that's the, and I love that we've been able to connect through Instagram. And so on Instagram, I'm at emily.tamayo.maher. And then my website is themeaningmethod.com. And then uh, the book is available on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle. And so you can download The Meaning Method, A Spiritual Path to Writing and Publishing. I'm also, I have, you know, from the beginning, Yeah, I opened a Facebook group in 2017 and it's just been growing and growing since then. And so the Facebook group is the writer's block Instagram. It connects you to all the places. Well, thank you so much. I love having these conversations. And so thank you for inviting me on to be able to talk about everything. Thank you, Emily. You are such an inspiration. I hope more people can see your work and everything that you've been nurturing so far. I'm glad we were able to share this moment with you. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked the episode, please take a screenshot and share on social media. Stay tuned for our next episode with another amazing special guest.